Now, PW Torch brings you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Five years ago today, Greg Parks, Pro Wrestling Torch columnist and PW Torch Daily Cast host, joined me to discuss SmackDown right after it aired on our live post show. We had live callers, then an on-site correspondent from Charlotte, followed by a mailbag segment. Topics included Kevin Owens' return, Vince McMahon screwing Kofi Kingston, the Hardys reuniting, Charlotte's Hill promo, and much more. This originally live-streamed on February 27th, 2019, and it is today's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show, five years ago flashback for Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. Well, Greg, I'm not quite sure what to make of uh, the Kevin Owens-Kofi Kingston swerve. But I do have to say, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued with where this goes, uh, next week and then, uh, a week from Sunday at Fastlane. Uh, what'd you think of the, the twist with Vince McMahon breaking up the, uh, uh, Kofi Kingston, Daniel Bryan contract signing right as Kofi was about to sign the contract and announcing that it's his job to serve stockholders and, and, uh, do, do what's best for box office and business. And he feels Kevin Owens is, Better, the man who once punched him, uh, the man who's, uh, better than, uh, which, which Byron Saxton, to his credit, brought up later, um, uh, is a better box office draw than Kofi Kingston, and he changed the match. Vince McMahon's gimmick has been, I'm not gonna give you what you want, fans, because I know what's best for business, which sounds very ironic. Uh, but, uh, Greg, your, your take on this twist. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, keeping full mind that this is likely going to come back around to a McMahon-centered story where Vince has now changed two major WrestleMania matches within the last few weeks. So there's something there as far as a story being told with Vince um, having to change matches that, in this case, Shane and Stephanie made, and previously, you know, uh, Stephanie and Triple H made with Becky Lynch. After they reinstated her, Vince came out and, and changed that match. So... Keeping in mind that this is eventually going to lead back to some McMahon family drama, I, I like what they did. You know, on Sunday on Wrestling Night in America, PW Torch Daily Cast, I talked about how it seemed clear that uh, Kofi versus uh, Daniel Bryan would be the fast lane uh, main event for the WWE title, and then Daniel Bryan would move on to Kevin Owens for WrestleMania. The story uh, with Owens and Daniel Bryan seemed ready-made. Here is Kevin Owens being portrayed in these return videos as an everyman, uh, very relatable to the audience. And Daniel B- Bryan being portrayed as this, um, you know, left-wing vegan nut job, I guess, to, to, for lack of a better term, where people aren't supposed to be able to relate to his ideas and his thoughts. So, you know, I thought there was a lot they could mine there. And it appears at least tonight that WWE has flip-flopped and they've gone Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan at Fastlane and possibly Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania. That's what it looks like. And what I'm intrigued by, one, they, they might switch it back. Um, th- this might be part of a, a, a storyline where Kofi gets the match back next week somehow, although I'm not quite sure if anything... The contract has been signed. Well, there you is... You can't go against the validity of the contract. <laughs> there is it's that. Nothing sacred. Although, I would say if Kevin Owens came down with a mysterious injury, uh, he'd have to be replaced, and you would think Kofi would be next in line. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of twists and turns that, that could, uh, could occur to, to, to lead to, to, to lead to Kofi getting the shot after all. Although I do think what we've actually seen is Vince McMahon saying I'm gonna make Kevin Owens the main event, to, or that I, Kevin Owens is a better main event opponent for Daniel Bryan, 
And having the shroud of mystery over when did Kevin Owens find out? Is he for it or against it? Why did he agree to yeah. take something away from Kofi that he earned? How should fans feel about KO? Which, by the way, it's a whole other aspect of this. Kevin Owens' return could have been a, a, an emotional comeback, either in terms of cutting a, a heel promo or coming back as this everyman babyface. And instead, and I'm not saying it's better or worse, the crowd just didn't know how to respond to him tonight. You know, yeah. they resent him, but they're like, is he a pawn in a Vince McMahon game? I thought at the end of the show, Kevin Owens might have been indicating to Kofi verbally that, also no one is talking, um, indicating verbally, uh, he might have <laughs> been t- talking to Kofi about how he'll give him a title shot if he wins it or when he wins it. And Kofi was sort of still a little stunned, a little shocked and dismayed over what happened, but also kind of nodding, going, well, I mean, you know, that's it's better than nothing. And that's how things went off the air. So I'm intrigued, and and I think there'll be another chapter next Tuesday, and then a payoff on on Sunday. If this is just an actual, ultimately, an endorsement of Kofi Kingston being a big uh, uh, the be- Kofi versus Brian, uh, Kofi versus Brian, in Vince McMahon's mind is the best main event, you know, for that SmackDown can offer for the WWE title at at WrestleMania. Then this is good. It's a fun detour. Mm-hmm. If if it's just we need controversy on TV and we don't know where we're going with it, and we get some ambiguity with Kevin Owens, and then it turns into a triple threat match at Fastlane or WrestleMania, then I'm more against it because I think they had something going with Kofi that didn't need to be messed with. You know, sometimes, mm-hmm. and I know they have to produce their five hours of TV every week and, and tell stories, and and I absolutely get that. Um, there's other ways you can tell stories and fill time than messing up a good thing. And that is the feeling that some people have, a lot of people have, about Becky, Ronda, one-on-one, just do it. Don't mess with it. And now it seems like they might be messing with Kofi challenging Brian. Sometimes just going with the organic, the hot baby face coming out of, quote, nowhere and 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 becoming a, a fan favorite for a singles title, just, just roll with it. Don't mess with it. Yeah. Don't make it about the McMahons. So... I say that as, you know, a word of trepidation, but I like this show and I like, and I, and I'm intrigued by it. So I'm not, I'm in no way like saying this was a bad move. I'm just saying they, they, they gave up a good hand to play this one. So I hope they know what they're doing. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's a bit of uh, delayed gratification booking by a WWE sure, to see yeah. how long they can really stretch out Kofi's babyface push and how long the fans can stay with him because they were all in. In that first segment, uh, the, the fans were completely behind Kofi Kingston, as they have been for the last few weeks. So that's a good sign. Um, you know, I, I think – and I, your fear is not unfounded about WWE complicating this more than it maybe needs to be. But given what they've presented thus far, I, it's not – I don't get the sense that they've booked themselves into a corner with this because you can kind of see WWE sometimes – overcomplicate things, book themselves into a corner, and then we sit here and analyze it and say, okay, how are they going to get out of this? There doesn't seem to be any clear way to get out. With this Kevin Owens, Kofi Kingston thing, I I see it as more wide open. Like there are a bunch of different avenues that are – that could make for good storytelling going forward into WrestleMania season. So for that reason, because I think there are a lot of different – avenues that they could traverse here, I, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, and one of the things that you said that I really want to go back to is Kevin Owens and how they were playing him with a lot of ambiguity tonight as far as not getting a sense of of what he thought or what side of the fence he was on. You know, when he came down to the ring, he was uh, he was not overtly babyface, but he was not 
you know, rubbing Kofi Kingston's nose in the fact that he had gotten this title shot over Kofi. He was kind of all business. Um, so I liked that because WWE tends to sometimes give too much away all at once. And like you said, they have so much TV to produce. I think it's in their best interest to keep things ambiguous with Kevin Owens right now. Uh, that's the best way forward at this point. Um, the one worry that I have is that Owens is not going to come off as a, as strong of a babyface as he could be against Daniel Bryan. And I kind of laid out earlier how Owens could be the everyman to Daniel Bryan's uh, character and could be very successful as a babyface where by stepping in this Kofi Kingston business as he has by way of Vince McMahon, that could really take some babyface steam away from Kevin Owens in the next few weeks and months. And that's where the explanation is going to be a big part of this story. And, and again, I hope they've got this thing figured out. Um, it is, did Kevin Owens plot with Vince McMahon? Is Kevin Owens being used by Vince McMahon? Um, was Kevin Owens made a promise that will be broken and that, that will cause Kevin Owens to be that everyman baby face and, and turn against Vince? I, I don't know. Um, I haven't had a chance to digest it. I was kind of expecting some more clues <laughs> um, yeah. in the main event. So, you know, I watched the opening segment. I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued. This is interesting. It's kind of funny that Vince McMahon's gimmick has been, oh, you want this? Well, you can't have it, but you can have this instead, and I'll be mad at me. Um, and that's sort of his thing right now. After that speech in December, we're going to put the fans in charge. Um, so there's heel heat there, and it's sort of ironic, but it can be good. And then the main event happens, and, and all we learned is we're not allowed to know anything more yet. <laughs> and Kevin Owens is playing, he's poker face throughout this whole thing. He was loyal to Kofi, seemed to be fighting hard against Rowan and Brian for sure. Rowan took a shot at him on the ring apron mid-match, uh, unprompted. So Owens paid him back a little bit later. So yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So we're, I want to get uh, a lot of opinions and thoughts on this. Maybe different, uh, maybe our callers and emailers have seen things we didn't see or have a different take on it. So that's the fun part about doing this show is my instant reaction, your instant reaction, Greg, and then we hear from other people and, uh, maybe start filling in some of the, uh, some of the details and getting different opinions. So that said, let's set the table and introduce ourselves and then we'll get to calls. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show for Tuesday, February 26th, 2019. And we are uh, live on the air just a couple minutes after SmackDown went off the air on USA Network. And I am Wade Keller, host of the program, and I'm joined by Greg Parks, a longtime Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter columnist and host of the PW Torch Daily Cast Sunday edition, Wrestling Night in America. Greg, great to have you back. I, I, it's got to feel good to... Uh, I think, I hope to watch SmackDown and be able to comment on it right away after you covered the SmackDown beat for PWTorch.com for uh, 10 years. Absolutely. I always love joining you on the uh, SmackDown post show, being able to talk about uh, the Tuesday night edition of WWE. Sounds great. Well, let's, uh, let, why don't we dive into calls? Let's do it right now. And we're going to begin here. Okay, a lot of people on hold. This is going to be uh, going to be fun. We will start with uh, area code six one five. We've got a couple six one fives actually, but if you heard a beep, it's you. Go ahead and state your name and where you're calling from. Hey, Wade and Greg, this is uh, Kenny from Tennessee. Tennessee, uh, Kenny from Tennessee. Thanks for calling. What's uh, what's your thought on SmackDown? What do you want to talk about? Well, I'm with you guys. I really enjoyed the show and. Uh, Boy, it just was shocking seeing Kevin Owens back so soon because I was for sure thought he wasn't going to come back until after WrestleMania. But 
man, that was just like two shows in a row, and the, the opening segments on both of them were good. Um, that's the first time I've ever heard anybody saying that all of the fans care about box office, which begs the question as a longtime wrestling fan, Wade, does box office, is that the first thing that comes to your mind when it comes to pro wrestling or sports in general? Uh, no, I think about, I like to think about winning and losing more. I think, you know, that's I, maybe where you're going, Kenny, that it, it should be about the merits of victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a case of the classic Vince McMahon heel heat uh, coming back out for sure. I thought that that was just, you know, classic heel Vince. And, you know, it really does show that the tempo of the show, as far as getting the type of shock value, has definitely stepped up. You know, I don't want to give all the credit to Bruce Pritchard, but, you know, I was talking about this with Greg on Sunday's show is, you know, how much would Bruce Pritchard have and an impact on the show can we at least say that in some ways he's had a little bit of an impact, or do you think that all of this was planned before he stepped into the quote-unquote creative role that he took up uh, on last Friday? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. It's possible uh, Bruce Pritchard sat down with Vince, and Vince said, I got this idea, let, it, let me run it by you. Or do you have an idea? Uh, run it by me. I, I don't know that yet. Um, this is This type of storyline, I think, is goes isn't the type of storyline that Bruce Pritchard typically would just come up without a whole cloth. That's not really his reputation um, to just come, come, you know, go to come to Vince and go, Hey, here's, here's a twist. So my, my knowing Bruce's reputation for the way that he contributes creatively, this seems to be outside of that normal realm. That said, some time away doing a bunch of podcasts, looking back at angles and Vince saying, Hey, help me out here. Maybe, maybe he did. So, but I, I do not know. Uh, Greg, do you have, do you have a hunch in that regard? Yeah, I don't, I don't really get a sense that that's the case either. Uh, I, I contribute it just as much as it being WrestleMania season. And we tend to see WWE turn up the volume, uh, this time of year and really get into those intriguing angles and storylines at this point. So, um, that's part of what I would credit this, uh, the last two days to. Um, but yeah, yeah you never know. Yep. Uh, Kenny, anything else for us? Uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Matt Hardy's uh, appearance. Yeah. With, uh, his brother Jeff, they take on the bar and Cesario. It was kind of another surprise there to see uh, Matt Hardy back after being basically on Raw for, well, I guess ever since he returned to the WWE and one with Jeff, which leads a question that I want to throw at you. Do you think we're seeing that the signs of the brand split and the brand extension might possibly be coming to an end, especially since you know, SmackDown's going to be moving over to Fox, and one of the, I think, the uh, key initiatives that Fox wanted was more stars. Do you think that this is a sign that between that and Ricochet and Aleister Black and all the NXT stars showing up, that the brand extension is slowly maybe coming to an end, or is this just, like you said, has more to do with WrestleMania in the sense that we got to build up for WrestleMania? Sure. Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate it. Uh, what, what do you think, Greg? Uh, any signs at the end of the of the roster split? I want to say no. That's my initial reaction. But you've got the NXT wrestlers, uh, not just Ricochet and uh, Gargano and Ciampa and Black, but also the uh, NXT call-ups from last month who are still – who have not had a permanent home on either R or SmackDown. And then you've got Matt Hardy, which you know I attribute more to – and this has happened before when a wrestler is injured and is on the shelf for a long time – 
when he returns, WWE doesn't always play by the brand split rules. If they're needed here, they get put here uh, or there, wherever it may be. So I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, you know, I think we'll get – if there's no superstar shakeup or anything after WrestleMania, which I think there's already advertising out for one, then I think you could say the, the end of the brand split could be coming. But if they're planning on doing a superstar shakeup after uh, WrestleMania – and it's not shaking things up to where there's no brand split anymore, then I, I really don't see them doing a shakeup after WrestleMania and then between then and October combining the brands back up again. I I think the influx of NXT talent in December was because of low ratings. I think Vince wasn't happy with the call-ups he got at that time. Um, Lars Sullivan, they had the twist there. Uh, and, and EC3, they don't seem in love with. Uh, heavy machinery are what they are. He seems to be very infatuated with Lacey Evans and her act, but he's taking it slowly. And last week, I think he looked at that script and didn't like the depth and didn't like the ratings and wanted, uh, the next, the next group from the bullpen to come in and give a spark to things. And it was, uh, kind of last second and he largely liked what he saw. Although interestingly, we didn't see Gargano, um, or Champa on SmackDown, which I think is a good thing. And we got the Hardys back as sort of, uh, instead, I guess. Um, and I don't think we should read into it beyond that. Um, I think, uh, Ricochet and Black are, are good additions to the roster. I would have introduced them differently, uh, but I don't think they did any more damage this week to them, uh, with their wins on both shows. I, I like structure. I like explanations. We didn't get any of that last week and that didn't really improve this week. It's just a continuation of eventually when we get around to it, we'll say which wrestler, which brand the wrestlers are, uh, are, are attached to, and they just will get around to it when they want to. Um, it's kind of annoying, but it's not it's not a deal killer for enjoying the show or wanting to see matches. So that's kind of where I am on that. Uh, Greg, any anything to respond to from there before we get to the next call? Hey, uh, just the the new NXT call ups. Uh, because we could expect a superstar shakeup after WrestleMania, I don't know that they would even bother attaching any kind of brand to them between now and WrestleMania if they're going to be switched so soon after in the superstar shakeup. So they may just continue to go from Raw to SmackDown between now and WrestleMania. Yep. Let's go to an international call here. I believe 61421, etc. Um, go ahead and state your name and where you're calling from. Uh, hi, guys. It's uh, Adam, VIP member from Australia. Hey, Adam. Thanks for calling. What do you think of SmackDown? Um, I thought it wasn't um, a bad show, but uh, I'm going to have to go against uh, you, Greg, and uh, you, Wade, as well, about uh, the Kofi situation. Um, I just think they missed a golden opportunity at the Elimination Chamber. That's when I think Kofi should have won the title. And I'm going to use a word that I know you love, Wade, and that's uh, the word momentum. Um, and it feels to me like they've just killed Kofi's momentum. Even if he goes to WrestleMania... And wins there, I just think it's not going to be what it should be. Um, but all that being said, what I want probably the most out of all this going forward is I want deadly serious Kofi, not pancakes goofing around Kofi. That'd be um, nice. I guess that's just my observations of the Kofi situation. Yeah, no, that would absolutely be nice. Uh, uh, Greg, uh, the, the portrayal of Kofi tonight and how he handled the bad news, what's your take on that? I think that was the right way to go. I think too often New Day's shtick has gotten in the way of them being serious when the, those times have called for it. Uh, they've been too quick to get over major losses and to be back to the, uh, hey, we're guys that are here to entertain you and to have fun and to not take anything too seriously. Uh, and I think that's hurt their characters in the past. 
So to see Kofi come out and, and really Big E and Xavier Woods come out um, at the end of the first segment and then in the main event again and be portrayed as as being serious – uh, I think that's the absolute right way to go. I just hope that next week they aren't out being classic New Day again. Um, you know, and I, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. If you do go to Kofi uh, at uh, against Brian at WrestleMania, I think you've got to keep this up. I think you've got to keep him on the hunt doggedly for that title shot. Uh, and, and I think you've got to keep him serious in order to make that Brian versus Kofi match, if not at WrestleMania, somewhere else happen. Uh, any response? Um, I'll probably um, do agree with what, with what Greg said then. Yeah. Um, I probably want to talk about Daniel Bryan, if, if I can, tonight. Um, seems like, I know he's the heel, but he took another loss tonight. Uh, what do you guys think about him taking taking the pin tonight? Yeah, lots of losses. Um, uh, Greg, yeah, uh, I'll throw it to you. I, I think the, the Kofi Kingston loss, uh, I, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, was you know them setting up wholeheartedly in earnest to go to Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. And when you change plans in the middle of what you already were going to do, then something like this happens, where now Bryan takes pins in, in back-to-back weeks. And it's important from WWE's point of view that Kevin Owens just returning from injury and in his first match back – you know, before his first match back, he's putting a WWE title match at Fastlane. So, you know, darn it, we have to give him some momentum. We have to give him some credibility and give him a win over Daniel Bryan so the fans see him as a credible challenger to the WWE title. So that's that kind of short-sighted booking where when you change in midstream, you end up having a situation where you have Daniel Bryan lose in back-to-back weeks. And to be honest, I, I you know, depending on the story they want to tell – I think it would have played more into the sympathy for Kofi Kingston if Kevin Owens didn't get the pin against Daniel Bryan. So Kevin Owens goes into Fastlane mm-hmm. as the, with the Kofi Kingston fans saying, wait a minute, you know, not only has he not earned, you know, he, he leapfrogged Kofi Kingston for this title shot and was put in this spot out of nowhere, but he didn't even really earn it. You can't say that now because he did pin, pin Daniel Bryan and he's got that feather in his cap uh, to his defense. So... Again, depending on the story they're going to tell going forward, uh, just would have been my preference to not have him get the pin. That, that's all the more reason why I'm still suspicious and intrigued of everything going on here. Because there are things happening that don't necessarily fall into place, but in no way are they worthy of criticism yet because we're too early in the story to know. All right, uh, let's go next and uh, try to get through calls a little more efficiently than yesterday because uh, we went really long yesterday. But we do have an on-site correspondent from Charlotte who's going to help us out later. And uh, we encourage anybody who we don't get to on the caller segment to email us for the mailbag portion. Uh, that is Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. By the way, on uh, the Thursday show on the blue brand, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, as opposed to the Wade Keller Post Show, uh, Todd Martin will be my guest on the flagship this week, so we'll talk about uh, an intriguing week in uh, WWE. I know Todd was quite critical on Twitter of WWE using uh, Reigns' health update as a ratings ploy. I'll, uh, I'm very interested to hear his take on how, how that was executed on Monday night. And then we'll also on uh, Friday have a Mailbag Friday edition with Pro Wrestling Torch senior columnist Bruce Mitchell. So if you have questions about Raw or SmackDown or AEW or ROH or WrestleMania or anything you want, uh, subjects are, the subjects are wide open, send that for the flagship edition this week, or I should say for the Mailbag edition this week, to Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. 
and uh, we'll be recording that on Thursday. So you've got some time to uh, send those in if you're listening to this show this week. All right, so back to phone calls we go, and we'll go to the other 615 I mentioned, and then on deck 814. Uh, 615, thanks for holding. Please state your name and where you're calling from. This is Sean from Murfreesboro, Wayne Greg, good to talk to you. How you doing? Uh, doing great. Thanks for calling. What's up, Sean? Uh, not much. Uh, real quick on the Kevin Owens thing. Like, yeah, I just hope they have something good planned for KO because, I mean, I don't like the way they brought him in. Like, again, Kofi had the momentum for this next couple weeks, and I wish they would have at least gone to that point. And I hope – I just don't like the way they brought KO out there with the, like you said, the a- ambiguity of, like, what's going on. What the, so I'm, I'm curious of just where they're going to go with it. So I, that's really all the main thing I had on that. But I had two quick questions. The first one is, where do you think they're going with the U.S. title? Like the R-Truth thing kind of didn't make any sense. Like he goes against two guys knowing he can't get pinned or, you know, would get pinned or cannot get pinned either way. Anyone could pin anybody can lose the title. And it was like real funny, but then he wins it, you know, and it's like, okay, where do you think they're going there? <laughs> Cause that was just weird to me. It was funny, but it was weird. And then the second thing is, do you like where they're going with AJ and Randy? Cause I do like it. If they're going that way for WrestleMania, like, I would like that for Randy because I think he would get motivated by that match. Like that would be a intriguing match, big for both guys. So where do you think? I mean, do you like that they're going that way? Because I like that for AJ. I think he needs a boost, and I think this could be a way to do it for him. So that's all I had, guys. Thank you. All right, cool. Uh, thanks, Sean. Uh, Greg, go ahead and take that. So uh, AJ Styles and Randy Orton. Uh, it's you know Styles has been in the WWE title picture for over a year now. And it, I guess anything he does below that is going to feel like a significant drop. Uh, Styles versus Orton doesn't really light my fire or anything like that, you know. Um, you never know what kind of Randy Orton you're going to get. Is it going to be motivated Randy Orton? Is it going to mm-hmm. be going through the motions Randy Orton? It'll be the going through uh, the motions Randy Orton, I can assure you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> thankfully – I mean that's I where my longer... money is. I mean he is the three-star specialist at this point. So Yeah, I, I, I no longer have to wait on pins and needles for that. Week. Thank you for <laughs> answering welcome. that. Spoiler alert, I should uh, Yes. So, you know, I wish there was something more for AJ Styles, something more he could sink his teeth into than uh, than Randy Orton. But, you know, I don't think WWE sees that as a big step down because I still think they see Randy Orton as this legacy star uh, who is going to be in a good position at WrestleMania just because of what he's done in the past. So uh, it, it is what it is at this point. We'll see where they go with it. We'll see what kind of story they can concoct for it. Um as for our truth, you know, based on tonight, it almost feels like they they're going to do an our truth John Cena U.S. title match at WrestleMania. Um, if it weren't for the fact that both of them are baby faces, uh, and, and it could be a pretty quick match, but it, that's really the the one way I see our truth and his U.S. title making the the main card of WrestleMania is if it's against John Cena. If it's just our truth U.S. champion at WrestleMania, uh, I see that being a pre-show match. Yeah, I can't imagine John Cena and R-Truth at WrestleMania. I mean, R-Truth's a fun <laughs> mid-card act. I get a kick out of it. Um, I think they found a, a lane to go in with R-Truth where he he's a little dim-witted, but not in a way where you're laughing at him or that seems demeaning or degrading. Um, I, I enjoyed the, the you know because sometimes you think maybe our truth knows what he's doing you know and I, and I like that aspect of things when he when he says I've been admiring John Cena since I was a little little kid and then the announcers sort of go I think our truth's older than Cena <laughs> you know <laughs> I mean so I don't know I I'm enjoying it but I I mean if John Cena against our truth better not happen at Mania John Cena needs to be in a big time match and I think they have options and I, and I hope they 
they they do that. I'm, but I mean, I I like that we're sitting here on February 26th and we're not sure of the WrestleMania lineup. And in fact, yeah. as of today, we have a different lineup for Fastlane than we did yesterday. So, you know, I, I like the twists and turns. I don't like it just being obvious what the top six, seven matches are. And, you know, they, they're keeping us guessing. And, and, and that's good. I mean, being doing twists and turns without a good game plan and not making wise choices, that it, that's not good. But, you know, th- well, this is yeah, fun. It, yeah. It's, it's the twists and turns to where there's a twist and a turn. You can look back and say, oh, yeah, I, I can't believe I didn't see that coming. Or, oh, this makes sense because of A and B, you know, not just twists and turns for the sake of twists and turns, but ones that, that make sense. And you can look back and say, wow, yeah, yeah I can see how they got there. Yeah, yep. Go to 814 next. Uh, 814, thanks so much for holding it. By the way, 585 is on deck. Uh, 814, go ahead and state your name and where you're calling from. This is Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland. Hey, Ryan, what's up? What do you think? What's on your mind for SmackDown? Well, when you said that r Truth match against Sean Cena, I remember that pay-per-view match they had about over 10 years ago, so they have gone in that direction before, but he was a heel back then when they did that match. That was the that was the <laughs> one and only Capital Punishment pay-per-view, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Good trivia out there. My question for tonight is on the uh, main feud they appear to be doing. You think they're doing that because once they made the Fox, they want to have like a major uh, star power storyline, and they think that McMahon seating against each other is that draw great ratings or this rating that they're pressured in getting for Fox to stay on the network? Greg, what do you think? I've talked about that. Well, it would be really early um, to be starting that. Uh, you know, if the plan is to go into some McMahon. You know, maybe even peak with some McMahon family drama in October. This seems like a really early start for that, especially knowing how WWE storytelling is. Uh, so I, I think there will be McMahon in some form or fashion on SmackDown when it goes to Fox because whether or not it's, it's even borne out today, I think there is a belief within WWE uh, that that the McMahons, whatever they're involved in, means more, and that they are one of the few draws left on WWE programming. Uh, again, not sure the ratings even bear that out these days, but there's there's probably that belief. So I, I could see them having a role on SmackDown on Fox, but to have the hint of it or, or the start of it today unless they really map this out months and months and months in advance, which would be pretty unusual for WWE storytelling, I really question that. Ryan, anything else for us? Well, I have to realize I think the McMahons are a lot more careful with their own storylines than they are with everyone else's storylines. Oh, uh, who's Yeah, story? but the, I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is even, I mean, this is even, for, for anything that WWE does, they're, they're just not known for, booking this kind of storyline and we assume it has to be intricate storyline to survive almost a full year uh to 10 months probably uh so that's what in december of, of 2018 i think is when vince gave the speech about uh you know listening to the fans and whatnot when they came back to tv in full force so that'd be a 10 month storyline that they'd be sitting in motion and i just don't think they have the discipline to tell a story like that okay ryan anything else for us ecw okay the only thing that comes to mind is Paul Heyman had the ability to do it with Tommy Dreamer and Raven, as that's very long. It was about three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool, Ryan. Appreciate it. I want to get in a few more calls before we get to our on-site correspondent here, uh, but I'm sure we'll hear from you uh, hopefully next week. All right. Let's go to uh, 585, and then 419 is on deck. Go ahead, uh, 585. Please state your name and where you're calling from. 
Hi, Wayne Greg. This is David from Canandaigua, New York. Hey, David. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind tonight? Well, first of all, I wanted to know uh, how it felt witnessing such an historic event of uh, the contract signing with Kofi Kingston, whose name is synonymous with, okay, I'm done busting Shane and chops here. I know a lot of people who, uh, I I know a lot of people believe that a a lot of people I know had an hissy fit, um, when that happened (laughs) and, and had an hiss, (laughs) and then they had an hysterical incident, uh, in their home. Or, 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 or maybe an hotel. Who knows where they were watching from? (laughs) Uh, but, uh, anyway, uh, really, I think they're really, um, walking some dangerous ground here with what they're doing. Uh, while the, the incident with Kofi Kingston being replaced, that could work in his favor. If he winds up wrestling Brian in a one-on-one title match at WrestleMania, I don't think they did Kevin Owens any favors tonight. Um, if they were trying to present him as a baby face, which all the promos leading up till tonight seem to be pointing in that direction. Uh, replacing uh, a red-hot Kofi Kingston uh, with Kevin Owens at this point, I, I don't think that did any favors to Kevin Owens as far as you know coming back as a baby face. Um, I just I I, I kind of question that, and also you know I know you mentioned earlier the fact that that uh, they're kind of leaving us hanging, and you know WrestleMania is not very predictable, but. Do you, do you think that they're doing this on purpose or do they really have no idea what they're going to do? Because when you think about it, we have no clue what's going on with any of the SmackDown titles for WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan, that's up in the air. Asuka, they barely mentioned her. Um, R-Truth and uh, the Usos, they, they weren't even talked about this week either, I don't believe. So, you know, is this part of some big uh, plan they have to surprise us with something big or are they just booking on the fly here? Uh, Greg, I throw it again. What's your, what's your take on that? I think for some of those titles, like the the SmackDown Women's Title and the the tag titles and the U.S. Title, they're not marquee matches at WrestleMania. So I think you can get away with not booking them two or three months out, like you would want to start setting the table for a WWE title match or a match involving some big stars and big names. Uh, we've seen WWE in the past few years treat those uh, secondary titles as, you know, in, in the build-up to WrestleMania, just like they're building up to another pay-per-view, where they'll start the storyline, you know, about a month, maybe a little more out, um, and and go from there. Uh, I, I don't think you – it would be nice if you had a, a two-month or a three-month build to every one of these – title matches getting into WrestleMania, but TV time is scarce uh, for SmackDown anyway. It's only two hours, which is still, you know, a lot of time. But um, ultimately, the the SmackDown tag title feud is not going to change anybody's mind about whether or not they sit down and watch WrestleMania. Chances are. Um, So I just think WWE would rather put that kind of creative uh, effort toward a WWE title match, toward you know, what some of the other guys, uh, the other major players, we start saw seeds planted for AJ Styles versus Randy Orton tonight. Those are guys that I think WWE thinks it's more important to invest in leading up to WrestleMania than, you know, the the SmackDown women's title or some of these other, the U.S. title, for example. Any uh, response, David? Well, I, I see Greg's point, and, yeah. and I understand that, you know, that I, and I don't expect our truth to, to be, you know, co-headlining the main event at WrestleMania with the U.S. title match. But... <laughs> 
at the same at the same time, it would be nice. I mean, they have to make us. I, I, you know, I don't want to see a repeat of like WrestleMania four and five, where it seemed like they had one or two big main events, and then they just drew names out of a hat to see who. Yeah, we're not going to each have, other. I don't random, think that. random matches. Yeah. Uh, no, no, doubtful, but. But they do have to to make us care about about it in some way, or shape, or form, and they better come up with something quick. Is all I have to say because right now I've got very little interest in any of the SmackDown title matches or or anything. I really, to be honest with you, I I, I couldn't. I'm sorry, but I couldn't care less about AJ Styles versus Randy Orton at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I can't think of it. And I, de- I, I mean, Mandy Rose, uh, okay, but I just versus Oscar and title match at WrestleMania. I don't think so. I just I don't know what they could possibly come up with that that would get the least amount of interest from me in, in anything from the SmackDown roster at this point. Yeah, it's been an issue for me looking at this lineup, this roster for a while, months ago. Um, I just said they better save Dana Bryan and AJ Styles and keep them apart till Mania because I don't know what else they have on that roster that's going to be intriguing. Kevin Owens adds a new ingredient to the mix, but I, I'm not prepared to have a super in-depth conversation about what what we're going to do or what we're going to see because it feels so up in the air right now. But he is a new ingredient, and I think that adds some intrigue. But everything else, I mean, Ray and Andrade and our truth and all, it's like it's hard to put. There's not that sense of culmination. That's something. Oh, if that happens, that's going to be WrestleMania worthy. It's going to kind of feel not all that different than what we might see on any given SmackDown. Um, I, I'm I'm curious if the you know we haven't talked a lot about it, but where the Hardys situation goes, and does that lead to uh, you know is is it a one off? Is it Hardy turning on Jeff with Bray or something like that, or are they back together again for some other purpose to feud with a, a heel USO team or so? Who knows? You know I. I just don't know. It seems like changes are happening, and I think it's it's. Uh, I think there's a lot of moving pieces right now. That and and it, what does the SmackDown roster, as utilized on WrestleMania, is going to be? I think it's going to consist of some matches, Greg, that we would not have necessarily imagined a month or two ago. And we got some new ingredients just tonight. You know, with, with as you said, Kevin Owens, the Hardy Boys showing up. Uh, they certainly could vault themselves into the tag title mix on on SmackDown. Matt Hardy looked in tremendous shape tonight, uh, and I think at this point and at this stage of their careers, uh, Matt and Jeff are better off together than as singles wrestlers. So I would like to see them help strengthen the SmackDown tag division, uh, which is you know beyond the the bar and the Usos. Uh, and maybe the new day, it, there's really not much there. And, and so I'd like to see some new blood infused into the, the tag team division. Plus, you know, uh, the, the new NXT wrestlers, you don't know what role they're going to play, if any, at WrestleMania. They could find their way into a SmackDown match somehow, whether it's in a tag team as they've been used lately or whether it's in a singles match. Uh, so, you know, that's very much up in the air as well. Um, so, a lot changed just tonight on SmackDown as far as yes. the depth of the the roster concerned. So it's it'll be interesting to to see how the next few weeks play out. All right, cool, uh, David. Uh, any closing words from you? We do want to get a couple more calls in here. No, I'm good. Uh, thank you guys very much. Uh, I'll let you get to the rest of the calls. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, appreciate it. Good to hear from you again. 
If you're a fan of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, have you checked out the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup yet? That's pwtorchdailycast.com or search PW Torch. All right, we got 419 and then uh, 860 and 609 are on deck. I hope to get to all three of you. Uh, go ahead, 419 first. State your name and your city, please. Uh, it's VIP member Denny from Toledo. Thanks for taking my call. What's up, guys? Uh, thanks for calling, Denny. Good to hear from you again. What's on your mind? Um, I You brought this idea up you know, a couple weeks ago. And I wasn't thoroughly convinced that the WWE would go through it with it. But after tonight, I'm convinced that that's where they're going. Uh, the 25th Amendment with Vince McMahon uh, idea <laughs> that you brought up uh, a few weeks ago. And, and it, with it, Hunter it, it and Stephanie. Like, you know, Ronda kind of, yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, you know, Ronda kind of set the, uh, you know, the, you know, the planet seeds last night, I believe, where she said, you know, it's time for Vince to make the right decision. Uh, you can see Triple H and Stephanie were kind of visibly shaken when they were walking with a holding the women's championship uh, backstage last night. And then, you know, they not only have they, you know, like you said, Vince has overturned a match that Triple H and Stephanie had agreed to when they reinstated Ronda. And then tonight he, uh, you know, Shane McMahon made the, you know, Kofi Kingston match last week. So tonight he's overturned Shane. So he's basically just burned all three of them and changed over by changing two different huge matches and taking the two hottest acts, the two, People that are that the crowd is behind the most at this point, uh, you know, after making this speech, you know, a couple months ago about listening to the fans. So I, I I'm honestly believing that you know that, that and, and it's clear that Triple H is about to be a babyface going into his program with Batista. So it, I'm 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 you know pretty certain that this is where they're going with them as far as you know getting Vince McMahon out of the decision making. Um, you know, power that he has, uh, you know, as far as the matchmaking goes on, on, on camera. Um, do you got, are, are you, are you more convinced, uh, uh, you know, about this now, Wade, or, or do you think that, you know, it could just be, you know, me overthinking things? Well, no, I mean, well, maybe I gave them the idea. I doubt it though. I mean, if, if that, if that is what they <laughs> end up doing, an angle where Hunter and Stephanie sort of revolt a little bit, um, over some of the decisions Vince McMahon is making, then I think it was probably planned uh, back when Vince, you know, yanked the rug out from under Hunter and Stephanie and Becky. So, but, you know, it doesn't have to be 25th Amendment per se, but it, it could be some sort of power struggle or something like that. Great. What do you think? I mean, it does. Hunter and Steph were not thrilled with, with what's going on. Kevin Owens was rather coy about things. What are different ways this could be going? Yes, with Hunter as a baby face against the heel Batista, which is what it looks like based on Raw last night in a really good show closing angle that, uh, it seems like Stephanie ought to also go babyface. I'd like some clarity and consistency with those two going forward, at least for, you know, the next six, seven, eight years. I mean, if they want to turn heel again in uh, 2028, that's fine, but let's, let's just land somewhere for a while. It all comes back to the McMahons. Just like I said at the beginning of the show, you know, Um, I could see a scenario where, Shane, Stephanie, and Triple H all sort of gang up and and push Vince out of power, or you know at least as non screen character for matchmaking purposes. Uh, the the sort of the problem with that is the matches that Vince has replaced the already scheduled ones with are still viable main event matches. You know his reasoning might not necessarily be sound. But Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey and Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan are acceptable title matches. It's not like he's replacing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Becky Lynch with Nikki Cross or, you know, he's not replacing Kofi Kingston with 
uh, Ty Dillinger or anything like that. It, these are still main event guys, so I, I think it would be a little more difficult for uh, Shane, Triple H, and Stephanie at this point. And now, granted, by the time they get to the point of the story where they replace Vince, tons of other steps in the story could have taken place. But at this point in the story, it's hard to really see Vince's decisions. Yeah, they're not popular, but you can kind of see where he's coming from, and the replacement matches that he's making are not – you know, preposterous not, one might say exactly yeah. exactly they they have some some um room to to say okay well vince has some room to defend his decisions yeah in, in these in these regards yeah yep all right uh, D- uh danny anything else oh um, yeah i mean i just kind of think that it could the on-screen changing of the guard could mirror a real life backstage changing of the guard if vince decides to take a step back more as he decides to focus more on the xfl um, so, you know, I, I think it's possible, um, but yeah, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got for you guys. I appreciate you guys talking to me. Sure thing. Appreciate it, Danny. All right. Uh, we, we could also have Bruce Pritchard show up on television and, uh, and try to pay, play peacemaker or be the one who walks into the ring while Vince is on one side, Hunter and Steph are on the other. There's a drum roll, so to speak. And he <laughs> ends up, who will he side with? And does he walk to side with Vince or is, you know, sort of a Mike Pence moment, you know, like, is he going to, uh, sign the 25th Amendment paperwork that the cabinet has? They just need the VP to say, you know, uh, Trump needs to be out. And, or does, you know, does he side with, side with or does he walk over to Hunter and Steph in this big dramatic moment and Vince loses his power? Um, he would have to do this all with the brother love makeup on, of course. Oh, that would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go to 860 and then uh, 609 on deck. Go ahead, 860. State your name and the city you're calling from. Hey, guys. This is uh, Jay Coleman out of Hartford. Thanks for calling, Jay. What's up in Hartford? Yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing much. A couple things tonight about, uh, first about Oscar. Or, and then about uh, Kofi. Um, so with Oscar, I know last year, I, I think a lot of people thought that she wasn't booked well. Uh, you know, she cooled off a lot after she lost her undefeated streak. Um, and I, you know, I didn't think she was booked well. You know, I agreed with that sentiment. But at the same time, there's one thing that I think, um, listening to Bruce Pritchard's podcast that I've kind of come to terms with is that you know, you can't push everyone at the same time. You know, not everyone can be world champion, you know, so it's like, you know, okay, we'll we'll deal with, you know, you know, the underuse of people like a Finn Balor or, you know, whoever it may be. Um, but the way they're treating Asuka at the moment, I think is worse than anything they did with her last year. Um, she came back in December or whatever, won the title, and the crowd was clearly behind her as if she was, you know, undefeated the whole time. I mean, she was just red hot in, I guess that would have been December. Uh, and now she's hardly on TV. Then she comes back last week. They remind us that she exists. And then tonight, like, nothing. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. that was point number one. I just don't even understand how they, what they can do. They can put her in a match. But, I, I mean, I think I'm just ranting about that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll, I'll get to the other points so you guys can maybe chime in on them both, which would be Kofi. Um, I've been hoping to see a bit of a more serious side from him. Uh, I was hoping that, you know, we get things like the New Day will come out with him and then maybe they'll go backstage during some of his segments and not be out there the whole time. Uh, you know, let somebody else carry the trip. Pancakes, you know. I, I, you know, they're silly. I get it. Power positivity. But I, I wonder if you guys, and I missed the very top of the show, so I don't know if anyone brought it up, but I wonder if anyone saw the Black History video uh, with Kofi uh, crying actually 
actually crying uh, talking about uh, Dr. King's passing and how it was, how hard it would be for him to have to explain a moment like that to his children. Oh, yeah. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the Kofi that I would love to see. Not, not necessarily crying, you know, on screen every week, but just give me a serious moment that where he sits down and says, you know what, you know, new days off on the game. Yeah, my brothers will never break apart, but I'm, I'm, I'm just focused right now. I'm focused. I've been wanting this for 11 years. Even when he says, hey, y'all, we finally did it. He's like, baby, he still has the new day antics thrown in there. I, I just want to see serious Kofi. I'm taking this serious, and I want to be champion. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? And that's all I have. Great, thanks. Yeah, so both Asuka and Kofi. Um, uh, on the uh, Kofi front, Greg, uh, he he was – you know, more more re- reserved and stunned, and and Biggie and and Xavier were the ones who were more verbal and and outraged. Um, they were matched, if not exceeded, by Byron Saxton, who showed as much emotion as I've ever seen him uh, show uh, on SmackDown in response to this. It it, it uh, yes, it, this hopefully can be a transition for Kofi to be more serious. That said, Kofi did skip and dance to the ring, throwing pancakes to the crowd for a contract signing for a WWE title match that has apparently eluded him but been a dream of his for, for nearly a dozen years. So I don't hold out a ton of hope, but maybe something like this can change him and and make him uh, get more serious. If Vince McMahon says or or even hints that one of the reasons he thinks Kevin Owens is more box office is because Kofi Kingston's a goof, that he's just goofing yeah. off. He doesn't take life or his job seriously. And it's hard to imagine somebody... Uh, parading around like he does, throwing pancakes to the crowd, and and you know he wasn't carried like a baby by Big E. That was Xavier, but you know there's examples of of them in less in, in kind of demeaning themselves like clowns for laughs. And if Vince said that's why, it would be uh, that'd be quite the way to transition Kofi into being more serious. And I, I would not I would not be against seeing Kofi become more serious uh, between now and maybe WrestleMania if that is where he ends up getting his title shot. And we can't rule out, by the way, it's not Kofi against Kevin Owens with a heel Kevin Owens as the champion and Kofi as the people's choice, and and that Vince thinks that's a better matchup than a heel Daniel Bryan. Or or some sort of three-way, which is what I I kind of fear, because I think having the two singles matches, one at Fastlane and one at WrestleMania, is the way to go. Um, In defense of his parade to the ring for the contract signing, um, Kofi Kingston is gleeful. He's about to sign a contract for his... Uh, WWE title match at a pay-per-view, which he's not gotten the opportunity for before. So I can understand him being overjoyed uh, with that. But also, you know, it also worked to show the dichotomy of Kofi Kingston at the beginning of the segment versus Kofi Kingston at the end of the segment. And, and I think that was important, too, because if you had Kofi Kingston coming out serious for the contract signing, <laughs> his attitude at the end would not have been such a sharp change. Uh, and I think that's what WWE wanted to show the viewers, uh, how much this affected Kofi by the end of the segment, this uh, replacement by Vince McMahon of Kevin Owens in his spot. So I can understand why they did that. Um, yeah, I, I think you've got to have a more serious Kofi. It's always been sort of the, the cardinal rule in WWE when somebody who has kind of a happy-go-lucky character in the mid-card, if they ever do get elevated to – 
title, even challenger status, they tend to lose some of that and they become more serious. So I hope that does happen with Kofi, especially after the goings on of tonight where he loses that opportunity and presumably has to work even harder to reclaim an opportunity down the line for that WWE title. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to see a more serious Kofi. Biggie and Xavier Woods, who knows? You know, they could be sort of his sidekicks trying to lighten the mood while Kofi tries to stay serious and ultimately focused. Or they could join him in that serious focus and to, to try and help him push through this negative time for, for Kofi. So, you know, this is, this is as different as we've seen New Day portrayed probably since they had that really hardcore elimination chamber match with the Usos or that steel cage match with the Usos some uh, year or two ago. And and I think it is much needed that, that the New Day is refreshed in some way, as we saw tonight. And they had, what, 20 seconds of being serious in the Bray Wyatt, in the Wyatt family uh, feud before it went back to fun and games, yeah. too. So, yeah. So, as for Asuka, well, you know what? One more question for you, Greg, about Kofi. Okay. If Kofi's red hot right now, uh, fans are really behind him. It, do you, do you, do you, if you're Vince McMahon and, and Bruce Pritchard will say now, and the creative team, do you look at this and go, hey, we can get a month or two or three out of this, uh, of TV time and a big match or two, but let's be realistic. Kofi's not a franchise guy. You know, he's not young enough. He's been defined down to a certain extent. This is, this, if he reached the top, we can't lean on him to do main event promos, be a world champion and, and, and carry, you know, one half of the men's world title matches on pay-per-views or, do you look at this and go, maybe we're onto something here we totally didn't see coming. Let's, let's frame this in a way and portray it in a way where Kofi comes out of this as a serious champion and, and we ride it for an indefinite amount of time and then we move away from it if we think we need to after two months or, or 12 months. Uh, where are you on that in terms of how much do you believe in Kofi as an actual top tier guy and not a fun, unexpected novelty that lasts a month or two? I think the fact that WWE even pivoted to Kofi Kingston as a WWE title challenger uh, after the response he got at Elimination Chamber and even before is a positive sign. It's a step in the right direction uh, because from all indications, that was not the plan going into things. So kudos to WWE for that. Uh, I think it would be WWE's best interest to – milk the Kofi Kingston cow for as long as they can get get out of it. Uh, and whether or not that means a WWE title run, I don't know. I would not be against it um, because I think, if nothing else, it shows the rest of the talent on the roster, hey, here's a guy who's been in this company for 11 years, who's never reached this status before, um, and we're giving him an opportunity 11 years into his career that, that he's earned. You know, he's a durable guy. WWE can rely on him on top if they choose to do that. But it also sends a signal to the roster that just because you are in the spot you are in now or have been in for three, four, five years doesn't mean down the line we are not going to turn to you for a main event or a title run at some point. Uh, so especially with the, the changing landscape and professional wrestling with AEW coming into the picture and things like that, I, I think that's a signal WWE wants to send to the rest of its roster. Uh, I, Greg, I, I didn't really hear the last minute of what you said because I have this image in my head that I can't get out of Big E in a skit on TV milking Kofi's cow. Oh. <laughs> I, I, How long yeah, can they milk I, Kofi's I I didn't Kofi even realize, 
Yeah. You, you threw that I didn't out. Realize the impact my words can have. <laughs> no, I, I got to be careful next time. You know, I think with anyone else, the cliche would just sort of be like, you know, it, oh, I know what they mean, that what that's. But with the new day, you know, they yeah. do weird stuff. So I'm like, oh my god, that's a skit it, idea. It can be very literal sometimes. <laughs> it can be because they have done things that sound like nobody would ever do them on TV. It must be a metaphor. And no, they yeah. they you know, it's like Biggie's carrying Kofi like a baby. I'm like, oh, oh my god, that just happened. That actually happened. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. <laughs> Um, uh, I want to give uh, a moment to the Oscar uh, yeah. question too. Uh, it, I, the truth is, is Oscar's not very good. The way WWE has has built her in terms of her mic work and her persona, um, I cringed a lot in NXT. The way that she sauntered around and and her body language, her facial expressions, the way she talked. Um, it, had she gotten significantly better at English since then? And I would think there would be a big financial incentive for her to do so. Um, it, it, it hasn't happened. And it feels like the syllables are memorized, but the inflections are completely disconnected from the meaning. And and I just don't – in another company that stressed work rate, athleticism, and this international vibe, she could be a megastar. And that's what people were hoping for her. Uh, but that's not how Vince promotes. He's got this two-hour show he needs to fill, and he needs to build up feuds by having wrestlers – interact verbally and oscar's bad at that um mm-hmm. it's it's it, 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 there's times it's like okay that might have been kind of endearing and i'd say more often than not though it's it's cringe inducing and i think that's how vince feels and and i think it does limit what he does with her unfortunately because she's mega talented in other ways i would to me you know in a perfect world oscar is a heel being managed by paul Heyman, who's doing all the talking and they ha- and she's flashy, but they have all these other flashy women athletes. So fans aren't going to cheer her because she's so athletic. Because the baby faces are super athletic too, and she's having great matches. And she's being set up for a dream match against Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania 36. That's a perfect world. That's not the world we live in. So th- they can't push everyone at once. SmackDown has a history of rotating wrestlers. Sometimes they're on TV. Sometimes they're not. I'm not against that. When you're the yeah. champion and it seems like you're being ignored, I can absolutely understand some people being nervous about that. So your, your take on the Oscar situation and, and kind of my take on it, do you agree or disagree with that characterization? I, I think I'm not as hard on her mic work as you are. I think in a, in a an environment that WWE has fostered where everybody sounds the same and everybody recites their lines the same, I think there's something to be said for someone who uh, comes at it a little off the wall. And, yeah, her English isn't perfect, and, yeah, she doesn't enunciate great, and, yeah, her inflection is off at times. But I think that makes her stand out, and that makes her different in a world where different is tends to be good because there are so few who are different. So I don't hold that against her as much. I think with Asuka's booking lately, there's there's kind of two schools of thought on this, is that if you don't have something for someone, keep them off TV until you do, because it makes them feel more special when they do come back and they have something meaningful to do. Um, otherwise, if you're just putting them on TV every week with nothing to do, it stands out and it makes them feel like just another cog in the machine. Uh, the other side of that coin is what you said where you know for a champion to not be on tv as much as she has not been on tv it does sort of devalue that position and devalue that title and really devalue the women's division on on smackdown that is not you know charlotte and becky lynch centered yeah i i i would like to it's 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 tough because it if if they had found a, a slot for for oscar that that seemed like a better fit for her in NXT. even in NXT. I, I think she could have been such a big star. And 
even and, and then I was thinking, well, maybe Vince can do something different with her because she was good in NXT. But I was like, I was nervous, you know, about the call up. And I mean, all the I think all the fears we had have been validated, you know, in terms of is she not the best fit? But I think there are things they could be doing with her that would work. I, I just I just don't think that, you know, this is the other thing. Vince is not Vince McMahon typically doesn't enjoy sust- just sustaining characters at a certain level. Like if he's not excited about Asuka, then she's not going to be on TV. He's going to want somebody else to come up. He wants, you know, it's the shiny new toy to play with. I mean, they say that behind the scenes in WWE. John Piermarini, ex-WWE creative team member who I interviewed 20 times on this show over the past 10 years and, and a long torch talk when he first left the company. We did like five hours just detailing step-by-step everything he went through. He talked about Sheamus when he was there was Vince's shiny new toy. And Vince, I mean, it's, <laughs> Vince likes shiny new toys. And Asuka is not that anymore. I think he feels like, you know, he's done what he's what he can do with her and now it's about building up new opponents Lacey Evans might you know when we see Lacey Evans that might be building towards what they're going to do with Asuka but Vince isn't the type to go well Asuka's a champion so of course we need to have her on TV winning a match against you know one of the iconics like he doesn't think that way uh he wants the segments on TV to to be something he's doing with something new or in a really established top person he believes in. And Asuka's not new and she's not an established top person he believes in, so she is going to get left off sometimes. All right, let's uh, let's go to 609 next. Go ahead, 609. Please state your name and the city you're calling from. What's up, guys? Mike from Jersey. Good evening, from you, Mike. What's on your mind? I want to tell you first, Wade, I'm attending a Raw House show this Saturday. Yeah. I can send you some kind of report if you want. Yeah, please do. Um, uh, PW Torch. on the floor. I'm right there. PW Torch at pwtorch.com. Photos are great too. We can use them on the website. Um, yeah, please, please, and that applies to everybody. Any house show you go to, uh, PW Torch at pwtorch.com. Yeah, I'm right there on the floor. I'm row three. And like you were saying Excellent. before, like when you sit at a live event, it's so awesome. Like when you're row one, two, three, or even row five and six. Yeah. Yep. Like, they're advertising Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. Like, that match on TV, I wouldn't care about. But seeing it live in person, yep. that close, yeah, it's fun. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So, what did you think of SmackDown Yeah, tonight? I wanted to ask yeah. you about, uh, I thought it was really good. I thought both shows were really good this week. We're all on SmackDown both. Yeah, this was a good week. Uh, on SmackDown, you know, SmackDown, you know, it's a different type of show. You know, it's like... It's the wrestling show compared to like Raw, where it's all about the storylines. Yeah. But when, you, when SmackDown goes to Fox, besides like, because obviously they wanted to stay a heavy wrestling show, Fox does. But do you think it becomes like Raw too, where it's like a really heavy storyline written show besides the wrestling? Like sort of what we saw last night, the way they went off the air? Or is it just going to be mainly. A wrestling show, you think? Uh, my thinking is it's that Raw and SmackDown are going to be like they always happen. A Vince, a, largely a Vince McMahon vision, but he, you know, with SmackDown, there's looser, uh, looser leash. Uh, Brian James and the m- the people who lean on on writing SmackDown more are able to kind of do their own thing a little bit more. Um, in part because Vince is more protective of the guys that he wants and the women he wants on Raw because Raw is kind of the A show to him, and and so he's more involved in that. Uh, and so I, I, but I don't think he's going to want SmackDown to stray too far from what he believes sports entertainment, to use his word, should look like and what it should be. So I think the difference we see between Raw and SmackDown now 
is probably as big of a difference as we'll see, unless, and there have been some rumors, that Fox really does want a different five. They want it to feel more like a sporting event. I, I'm, I'm somewhat skeptical of that because I don't think Fox wants to look like they're trying to con people into thinking it's real when people know, quote, it's not, you know, real competition to try to win matches. I don't know that they'd want to go down that road. I think the product they're buying is a Vince McMahon vision. So, Greg, I, I just I think we're going to see a pretty similar show. But I think uh, at least initially, if they don't merge the rosters, and I'm not ruling that out, but um, if they don't merge the rosters together, I think there'll be more equity between the people that we see as Vince McMahon's chosen ones. For instance, it won't shock me if Roman Reigns and Ronda Rousey are on SmackDown, but you know, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman and John Cena are on Raw, and he flips it around at least for the early months. And But mm-hmm. I could also see him having, you know, six designated top stars who float um, between both shows out of the gate before kind of settling down. He's obviously been sort of loose about that with the NXT talent and John Cena. Maybe he does it with more to try to cover his bases. What's your theory, Greg? <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to look pretty similar to the way it does now, depending, of course, upon how much input Fox wants to give WWE and and how much those two are going to work together. Uh, this week is a really interesting example, though. You, you had Batista making a surprise return on Raw and basically beginning the build to Batista versus Triple H at WrestleMania. With Triple H appearing on both Raw and SmackDown, it would be interesting to see in a Fox environment, would SmackDown get that type of of angle? Would they get the Ric Flair birthday? Would they get the Batista return with uh, you know attacking Ric Flair and, and having Triple H play a major part in that? Or would that still be a raw thing? Because so many of these big events that aren't res- necessarily brand specific have happened historically on Raw. With the move to SmackDown, would we see some of those bigger angles um, gravitate towards SmackDown. Uh, that's something I'd be interested to watch come the fall. All right. Uh, very good. Uh, Mike, anything else for us? Yeah. Like, it's amazing, Mike, because I've noticed, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but like, even if you get like a long match on Raw, like that's 15 minutes, because I've seen matches on Raw, like tag matches and stuff, like just drag on. And the wrestling, I don't really think it's all that a lot of the times, but if you get like a 15 minute match on SmackDown, the match sometimes is like pay per view quality. So like, do you think they're told purposely on SmackDown to go out there and give it like a hundred percent more than they are like on Raw? Cause I see a difference a lot of the times in the wrestling on SmackDown than Raw. Yeah. I mean, that happens. I, I hope <laughs> I'd like to see back. I, I, who would be against a good balance? You know, good promos, good angles, good star power. But also good, more consistently good matches. Although I, I think I don't think it's as lopsided. Uh, I don't think it's all that lopsided. I mean, there's weeks where where Raw really shines, but I think more often than not, it seems like SmackDown is the show where there's you can settle in and enjoy a match a little more. Uh, Greg, and I think part of it is you'll get a revival versus Rude and Gable match on Raw, but which is really good. But you'll also get you know Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman plotting through a match too. Whereas yeah. SmackDown, you may have two really good matches, and you may not need that sort of match to fill out the rest of the show like you do on Raw, where you've got three hours to fill. So naturally, not all of the matches are going to be at the same pace um, as as the really good ones. Um, where on SmackDown, it's a lot more contained show. It's a lot more thinned out because it's only two hours. So you don't necessarily get those plotting matches that 
that are there basically to take up time that you sometimes get on Raw. Yeah, yep. All right, very good. Uh, Mike, appreciate the call. Good to hear from you again. Um, so we'll uh, wrap up our caller portion there, and uh, we'll come back with our on-site correspondent. If we didn't get to your call, just go ahead and email Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com with your question or comment. It'll be interesting to hear about the, uh, the reaction in the building, and we'll get that right after this. All right, we are back for our on-site correspondence segment here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show, and Eric is joining us today. Eric, you uh, are you based in Charlotte? Uh, yes, I currently live in Charlotte, actually uptown. So I was able to walk to and from the arena. It was pretty convenient. Yeah, I was. I was thinking either that or, or you were staying at a hotel or something when you mentioned that you were walking back after the arena. Um, uh, uh, cool. Uh, so, uh, what was the? We'll, we'll start off and just ask, what was the crowd like uh, tonight? How full was the was the venue? Um, I'd say for the, they had the whole, whole lower bowl that wasn't covered all except like a few scattered areas for the hard camera. And for the upper deck, it was pretty much, uh, opposite hard camera end zone to end zone. Those were the only seats. So like two thirds of the upper deck was tarped off, but of all the seats that were still available, it was about 90, 95% full. All right, so that's not that's not terrible. Um, have you been to other shows in that building? And if so, how does it compare? Uh, I have not. Okay. I've been to uh, a couple of house shows, like in the suburb arenas, but not in that arena here. Uh, okay, sounds good. Uh, and how would you characterize the crowd in terms of their energy, their enthusiasm for, for the product they were given tonight? Yeah, I was curious how it came across on TV because they came across like it was more the casual crowd. Like they were there for the people that are presented as the good guys and boot some of the bad guys. But overall, they didn't seem like they had a lot of life. They did in the first hour, but not in the second hour. Yeah, it did seem to take a bit of a downturn in energy. Even the main event tag match, it, I, I attribute it more to the idea that there was one baby face in that match in Kofi Kingston and two heels, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan, although some fans still like Daniel Bryan. And then Kevin Owens, no one was quite sure what to think, and I think everyone was kind of waiting for something to happen. Is is that what it felt like in the building? Talk about, we'll just kind of jump to the main event, speaking of the crowd reaction. Um, what was your sense of, of the crowd involvement and emotions in that match? Uh, I think that was a lot of it. I also felt after the Charlotte segment, because was the top of the second hour, and nothing like angle-wise happened with that, I think people realized like no one was like coming out as a surprise, like Becky Lynch or anything. Oh, so yeah. once. No one surprise came out. They realized what we saw was what we saw, and we weren't going to get anything special. So just kind of lost a lot of the energy. Did, did you think the crowd was expecting or hoping for some kind of follow-up with Ric Flair, um, being it is in Charlotte and Charlotte Flair was there? Or did that not cross your mind, or do you think were there not a lot of woos or, or anything like that? <laughs> there are a lot of woos, yeah. Okay, um, of course. For Charlotte. Yeah. No, um, no, there are a lot of woos for Charlotte. Actually, I didn't put uh, Charlotte in my top three reactions. So it felt like the reaction was wooing, but like specifically for her, it was either light boos or really nothing. But at least came across to me that when no one came out for that segment, we weren't going to get anyone special. So yeah. we were just going to get that main event that was teased in the first hour, and that was about it for the rest of the show. So who is on your top three list? Um, I'm trying to, for three was Rey Mysterio. He got a really big pop. Uh, two was the surprise of the Hardy Boys because they're from Cameron area, so that was big for them. And, uh, one was New Day slash Kofi. People were really excited for Kofi the whole show. So he was one. 
Uh, I'm not surprised by that. Um, uh, go yeah. ahead, uh, Greg. Go ahead and uh, jump in with the question for Eric. Uh, the the reaction to Kofi Kingston was obvious in the first segment. I mean, people loved him. He was basking in the adulation. It was crazy to see the reaction when he came out at the end, and there was nothing. Like there was, and, and I don't know. Maybe it was because Kofi and New Day themselves seemed so defeated <laughs> that there was nothing yeah. to play off of, but. I mean, talk about the the reaction to Kofi when he came out for the main event. I mean, it, it was like silence. It, it almost was like people didn't know how to react. Like, I don't think people all of a sudden in in the forty five or in the uh, you know hour and a half between the opening segment and the last segment um, stopped liking him. But talk about that crowd reaction when he came out. Did it sound as silent as it seemed to come off on TV? Oh, definitely. Um... Yeah, we said the first two reasons why people might have been dead from the event. And third reason was if everyone felt defeated throughout that whole show. When you look at the segments of Kofi getting his spot taken away, Becky didn't come out. It just felt like nothing like amazing happened. They just kept taking stuff away from people. Huh. So by the time Kofi came out, it felt like he didn't matter as much. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, go ahead, Greg, with another follow-up. Uh, well, I, I was going to ask about the reaction the Hardys got too, and, and I, you know, you mentioned they got a huge pop. So when you when you took the um, the Hardys back to back with Kofi Kingston, I mean that was <laughs> those two segments back to back. I mean, I thought this crowd was like a, mm-hmm. a, a, a an off the wall crowd, awesome crowd, and it was going to be all night. <laughs> um, what what was the reaction to to um, the NXT guys, uh, Ricochet and Aleister Black? Was there a sense that, that you got that people recognized them either from NXT or from WWE TV the past few weeks, or was there just a lot of kind of like, who are these guys? Um, it was more on the positive side. It was probably the highest you can be in terms of a polite crowd slash a lot of the lower goal people were chanting NXT. So you had about a third about a third chant NXT, and then a lot of people like politely are rooting for them, knowing them from the last couple of weeks on Raw. Yeah, it was, they they got a positive response, just not a super over response. Okay. Uh, was Kevin Owens? Did the crowd seem really warm to Kevin Owens uh, when they first saw him come out, or was it a oh, there's someone here we didn't know was going to be here, so that's a pop? Or did they think hey, we like his videos and that's a pop? Ooh, what? How do you characterize the vibe for him at the beginning and then also at the end? Yeah, there was a lot of different reactions with Kevin Owens. Uh, Daniel Bryan would probably call him fickle because first they <laughs> booed that Kofi was <laughs> first they booed uh, that Kofi was taken out, and then when Vince revealed Kevin Owens, he got the "Oh my God, he's returning" pop. And then once he got in the ring, people booed because again, like, "Oh, he's taking away a spot from Kofi. Let's boo him again," type of thing. And then in the tag match, they booed him at first, and then towards the end of the match, by the time he won, people were cheering for him because that meant Kofi also got to win. Cool. Um, how about the, uh, the Hardy, the Hardy boys? Uh, did, did you think that, um, that they were being embraced as a nostalgia act and a, a pleasant surprise or being embraced more as a serious act? I, I don't even know if you can even get a sense of that, but like, I, it, even on the announcing, it was like, it's a reunion, but I'm not quite sure if it's sort of like a special event or, or they're going to push them as a serious act going forward. Yeah, it could best characterize as hometown combined with surprise, combined yeah. with nostalgia. Yeah. So all that mixed together for a really good pop. But if they did that for four straight weeks, that would probably diminish over the four weeks. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, and yeah. then 
how about our truth and all this, all the stuff that went on there? Was there anything that worked more than others? Was there anything that just died in front of the live crowd at, in terms of attempts at humor? <laughs> and how would you feel about it as you watched it play out? So, what was the first time? When was the first time you saw our truth in terms of the commercial break? Because there's some things happening I assume you didn't see, but I was making sure. Oh, good question. Yeah, so they danced to the ring, and as they were dancing to the ring, they cut to a break. They aired the Honky Tonk Man okay. Hall of Fame video, and when we came back, they were in the ring, and that's when Truth started talking about John Cena being his hero. Okay. Did you see both uh, he and Carmella rapping together with his theme song? On their – no, no, because I Greg was – I think it was just our Truth singing his own song on his way to the ring. That's all we saw, right? Okay. I believe so. Yeah, I think that's all we saw. Yeah. Yeah, we got the treat of Carmella rapping with him, and it was amazing for all the wrong reasons. So we got that treat. <laughs> and I didn't understand a single word they said the whole time. Oh, so it was great. And then I assume he started talking, and about five words into his promo, they cut off his mic so they can do like crowd stuff during the commercial break. Oh, weird. So at first we thought he was they're just being rude to him because he was trying to talk to the crowd. I was like, no, we gotta do this thing with these signs. But then he started talking when they came back from saying that's why he was tapping his mic. That was like an in joke with the arena. So I'm guessing he was trying to cut the promo too soon. And when uh, they realized he was trying to cut the promo during a commercial break, they cut him off. So that was a nice little in arena moment we got with him. But uh. Once he actually did his promo, actually, people loved the uh, John Cena jokes. We all thought that was actually pretty funny. <laughs> good, good. Uh, Greg, anything else you want to ask? Uh, yeah. Um, what was the? I mean, since we're on our truth, obviously he he went against uh, Rey Mysterio and Andrade. Um, what was the reaction for Mysterio and, and Andrade? I mean, that match, uh, we. A lot of it happened during the commercial break, as these matches tend to. Yeah. But um, after we picked up and they they did the the a couple big moves. I, I mean, was the crowd into that match? Were they into Ray as a babyface and Andrade as a heel? Um, they were into the match probably as much. They were really into Ray, so they were probably into the match through Ray. Mm-hmm. And when Andrade come out, I cheered, tried to help him out. Because I really like his work in that key, but he didn't get a negative reaction, but he just got more of a no reaction. Mm. So I just felt like that was more of a casual crowd, just because he hasn't been out but so much. Just felt like they didn't really know who he was. But uh, yeah, Ray was great. We're I'm just having jokes with my friends. Like he's, it looks like he's getting younger in the ring. Like he's doing moves that he did ten years ago that he couldn't do five years ago. <laughs> so I'm, we are all been really impressed with what he's been doing the last few weeks. How about when they aired, I assume it was aired in the arena also, the uh, Roman Reigns recap of his uh, emotional announcement of his cancer being in remission. Did the crowd respectfully watch that? Were there any boos or anything disrespectful? And what was the reaction as it aired and right afterwards? Yeah, it was, it was all respectful. Everyone loved it. Some people loved it too much. They were screaming at the top of their lungs the whole time the video was playing. Um, actually, when they promoted the video, I guess, after the first segment, People were cheering loudly, like it's people thought he was going to be in the arena, but I guess people didn't realize it was just going to be a video package. But yeah, everyone respected the video package and they cheered afterwards, and there wasn't any controversy or anything. Um, when, when SmackDown came on the air, Shane and Stephanie were already in the ring. Um, talk- I apologize, Wade. <laughs> so, yeah, Brad, I miss Shane doing his 
sneaker dance um, and slapping hands and pounding his heart with his fist. So, and, and all the good stuff with Stephanie. So talk about the crowd reaction for both of them. I, I, I assume Shane got a nice ovation, uh, but it characterized that. And then also Stephanie, our fans on her side, vociferously against her. Uh, did Shane and Steph walk out together? Who came out first? Um, Stephanie came out after Daniel Bryan first came out. Daniel Bryan got a lot of booze. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. I guess it's a good thing for him. Then Stephanie came out second. And it was negative, but it was more mixed than I thought. I thought it would be purely negative, but I think I heard some cheers. And Shane, of course, was all positive when he came out last. Um, have you seen – I was curious because I, I was more top-down. Have you seen his ramp Minitron video when he comes out to the ring? Uh, who's – who? Uh, Brian's? Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon. Oh, Shane's. Um... It's, a, it's a picture when like they have his graphic on like the dollar bill, and it looks like just – a tired old man that he's walking on the ramp on. And I saw that. I thought you loved it. So I got to find a way to <laughs> I, share that. But yeah, he was just, it was just a close up of just like an old looking man, but it was obviously shame of man. So I thought that was funny looking at that. I will. Uh, I'll have to take a close, pay closer attention next time. You've got me intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, Sh- uh, Shane was all positive. He has cheap pops and then, uh, yeah, Stephanie was negative to mix. Okay. Sounds good. Um, what happened before SmackDown went live? Besides ring introductions for Shane and Stephanie, of course, and Brian. Oh, I'm glad you asked. So the dark match was Heavy Machinery versus the Colognes. Okay. Obviously Heavy Machinery won. And I said I'm glad you asked because uh, people like a couple seats next to me, the Colognes came out, and it seemed like a lot of people didn't know who they were. And the guy was, like, explaining who they were. And the guy said, oh, yeah, that's the Colognes. They're a couple of no-name jabronis. As they walked down to the ring, so I thought that was really good. <laughs> Jeez. Well, <laughs> I mean, you can be a fan a long time and have only seen them be that. <laughs> yes. Um, and so anything else before SmackDown? Otherwise, we can talk about what happened afterwards. I think that was it. It was yeah. the dark match and then uh, the yeah. three entry. Yeah, that was it. So any uh, little spoiler warning for 205 Live, people who might watch it on delay on the network, uh, any uh, highlights or noteworthy happenings from 205 Live? In fact, talk about the transition, too. What did they do with the fans during SmackDown to try to convince them, if anything, to stay around? Um, and how quickly was that transition after uh, after the main event on, on TV? Yeah, they didn't do anything during the show. All they did was, as soon as SmackDown aired, they immediately announced the Dark Knight main event which was Asuka defending the title against Charlotte. And I guess the show technically started immediately, but to give the ring crew time, they started, like, the intro video, and the intro video was, like, over five minutes long to give people time to get it set up. Ah, okay. So I guess that's a trade-off with it. You know, it was just the uh, two tournament matches tonight. For oh, okay. Otherwise. And uh, were they – do you recommend them? Were they good? Worth going out of your way to see? Um. I'm going to be honest, not really. I don't watch 205 Live, really. Yeah. That was the first episode I've seen in a while, maybe ever. And the first match was okay. That was uh, Kalisa versus Tony Meese. Do you want me to spoil? Yeah, go ahead. Know. Go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. Just We've given fair um, warning. That was a, it was a decent match. It was probably what you expect from Kalisa, Tony Meese, and uh, Tony Meese won with his running knee. It was not too bad. But then uh, the second match was Brian Kendrick, um, Drew Gulak. And I feel bad because I really liked Drew Gulak from what I saw in NXT. But they made, because the show's, what, 45 minutes long, and there's only two matches. Yeah. So this match just felt like 20, 15, 20 minutes, and the crowd just hated it. Like, oh, wow. They were doing, like, within five minutes, and then 
there's a loud this is born chant. So I'm really curious if that made it on the feed and people were just cheering for the match to end. So that match did not go over well at all. Do you agree with that assessment? Um, or do you think they, they, or, or was the crowd just being kind of impatient? The match was probably better than we gave it credit for, but not much better. Yeah. I think it was more of it was a long night and we didn't really care about those two. Yeah. Especially saying Cedric Alexander's from Charlotte and they specifically kept him from the show because they're saving for next week. So we had four people that we didn't really know too much. And Seems like bad didn't time. Care, but yeah. so much about. Yeah. yeah. Question that decision. Uh, okay. And then, uh, talk, talk about the, uh, the dark match made event, Charlotte Oscar. Um, it was fine. It, I want to say it was probably about 15 minutes. Because the show ended two or five around ten forty five, and then it moved till eleven eleven o five. Yeah, and it took like over five minutes for them to actually get going. They they had like the dark night stalling technique where <laughs> Charlotte was playing to the crowd and she was talking with people. And I mean, people liked her better in the dark match than they did in the show. So I guess I was just they just kept rolling at her, but yeah, she's just playing it up, and it was just them playing to the crowd and doing arm bars for. Over five minutes, and then it picked up to the end. How many people stuck around as 205 Live began, and then by the time 205 Live was over, was there yeah. the same amount of people, the same number of people, or, or fewer? <laughs> yeah, I'll say about 20, 25 people left as on starting. Percent or, or total? 20, 25% of the Gotcha. Okay. That's like you counted as everybody. Started, All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, as it was going on, you could see people like slowly trickling out. And by the time the dark night started, there was half the crowd, or maybe less than half the crowd, still there. Oh man! By the time that dark night started, yeah, it was that crowd really didn't like that last match. Yeah, that's 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 too bad. Uh, so uh, we can't break news that there's a new SmackDown Women's Champion then. Oh yeah, uh, Oscar won. She she won with Oscar. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, they had a good um, the near fall tease towards it. People actually thought that Charlotte might win, and then you could even see the ring announcer. He took picked up the belt and ran to the ring in the uh, two seconds, thinking it was going to be a three count. And then the last <laughs> nice second, Oscar kicked out. I was like, I guess I'll just walk back to the side here. Oh, that's pretty yeah. funny. Yep. Uh, Greg, anything else you want to ask? Uh, the, the consensus seemed to be, uh, from callers, from, you know, looking on social media, that this is a pretty good show. Um, did you get a sense that the fans in the arena, you know, maybe filing out or, or just overhearing discussion, did, was this an enjoyable show for them? For you, was it an enjoyable experience? And a lot of people are frustrated with the Kofi Kingston booking, but, and again, maybe this is hard to tell from just being in the crowd, but, did you get a sense that people were genuinely upset that Kofi was out of this match, or did you get the sense that people understood that this was likely the first chapter in a story that would eventually get Kofi to the WWE title? Yeah, I think the crowd as a whole was generally bummed about that. Like They were generally upset about Kofi getting out. And I think I was talking to a couple of people around me that were more than casual. I, we eventually talked each other into feeling better that this was just a step to Kofi getting a WrestleMania match. I thought it was weird. Yeah, Kofi got that video package in the first segment, and before he got taken off, I was weird. I was like, is Kofi going to win this match? Because usually they don't put that much work into someone that's just losing on the B show. Mm -hmm. But it makes more sense now in hindsight. 
And I don't remember what the rest of your questions were. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's fine. You you answered it in one fell swoop, so. <laughs> okay. Excellent. So, oh, uh, um, oh go yeah, ahead. Yeah. I, yeah, I did want to answer it. The crowd as a whole, I feel like they liked it. I okay. personally didn't really like the show. I compared it to those, like, 2012 SmackDown shows, like when they did the Raw Super Show, and then SmackDown got the leftovers. It uh, felt like that to me. Like, after Kevin Owens surprised everyone, after that, it didn't feel like too much was going on. It just felt like people that weren't good enough to be in a WrestleMania Raw segment were here on SmackDown. And uh, where did you sit, and what did you pay for your ticket, if you don't mind me asking? And was it worth it? Was it a good call? Yeah, um, so I know where you like to sit, wait, like that opposite hard camera, like a few rows up in that lower bowl. Yeah. I tried to sit there, it was a little too much, so I pretty much had those same seats, but I was in the second deck instead of the lower deck. So it's higher up, but I wasn't too far away, so I was able to see down the edge, and there were good seats. It was like right at opposite hard camera, like level with it. Um, those were, I think, 38, but of course, Ticketmaster, they added $20 in services fees. So I almost paid double. Oh man! But, um, yep. Oh. Um, I feel like as an experience, it was potentially better. I'm on the fence about it being worth it or not. I think if if they had, I don't know, if they did a little better with the last hour and a half and then with the first hour, it would definitely be worth it. But it just felt like more of a bummer show because it was like similar to the bigger stuff on Raw the next couple weeks. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Eric, anything else you want to add or share? Anything in commercials or coming into the building or leaving that's noteworthy from being there? Um, yeah, a couple of things. I was curious, how did the announce team um, frame Kevin Owens during the tag match? Because I guess he, they came him across as a heel in the beginning, but the crowd kind of like treated him like a babyface as he was winning the tag match at the end. Yeah, great. Go ahead and describe that. I, I think that was... Uh part of the the idea of keeping Kevin Owens right down the middle you know I don't think the announcers Owens certainly didn't give away uh, how he was going to be portrayed going forward with uh, the way he acted and the way he wrestled and, and you know Wade correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think the announcers really gave away where Kevin Owens stood on here they didn't come down hard on Kevin no. Owens saying you know did, did Kevin Owens try to backdoor his way into this and or or try to grease Vince McMahon's palms to get this match they, they didn't really come down hard on him for that so they're really playing it down the middle and not giving fans a hint either way of of what the Kevin Owens deal is right now at the start of the tag match the announcers wondered how long Owens knew about being inserted at the expense of Kofi in the fast lane match but they didn't judge they didn't really speculate they just wondered aloud and then the focus really was on Kofi and how he got, you know, screwed. And even Graves sort of conceded, um, that. But otherwise they called it pretty straight. You know, they, they weren't anti-KO. They weren't pro-KO. I think they were very much instructed, probably because they haven't been told what's coming up next, uh, to be very neutral and, and just, you know, curious, but not judgmental. Okay. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah. for the Hardy Boys type match, was that a split scene? Split screen commercial break, or is that a hard commercial break? They uh, do you know right off, Greg? I that must I would assume that was a split screen. It was. I think it was that ma- I just saw my that notes. match yep. and the um, the, the, the U.S. US title triple played. threat match were the split screen matches. Yep. Okay. Because um, yeah, Hardy took a what looked like a nasty fall in the ring apron. So I was curious if y'all saw that between that and the close call with the 
swanton. I was a little scared oh, myself the, there. I, I, was I am, if you saw that. I, uh, the, the swanton jumped out to me. I'm, I'm like a, a, a nervous parent in the crowd watching Jeff Hardy do the swanton every time. I'm like, I, I've just, I, I'm just scared for disaster. And this, normally he tucks and it's like, okay, he knows what he's doing, but this time it felt like something wasn't quite right. And he barely pulled it off. Uh, more, it was closer than usual. So, yeah, it makes me nervous. I, I don't remember the other spot on the ring apron. Greg, do you? I don't know. Yeah. Was it Matt or Jeff? It was Jeff. It oh, was okay. one. Of, he was on the turnbuckle, and um, I don't remember who it was. It might have been Cesaro. He pushed him off, and he was supposed to land on that ring apron, but it just looked like he landed really hard. Before oh, okay. Floor. Yeah, it didn't 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 stand out as memorable to me. So. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, Eric, uh, thank you so much. Uh, great report for us uh, from Charlotte. Glad you uh, glad you were able to join us. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. You Have bet. a good one. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. All right, we are back for the mailbag segment of the program. Although first, Greg, uh, tell people about your uh, columns in the Prosing Torch newsletter and your Sunday show, Wrestling Night in America. Sometimes a uh, rich fan on Saturdays and just about always, really always, Greg, on Sundays. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Just like this show. All right, let's get to the mailbag, and we'll begin with Scott Briller. I was beginning to ask you if you would have, if it would have been more appropriate for Kofi Kingston to come out without New Day partners, but I guess I have to change my question. Vince is always saying what's best for business. What's best for business is Kofi to face Brian at WrestleMania one on one and probably win. Also, with Daniel smiling during the signing, do you think Kevin Owens will lay down for Brian and turn? And become part of a Brian Stable. Your thoughts, and obviously, everyone, go VIP. Thank you, Scott, uh, VIP member, PWTorch, VIPinfo.com, if you're interested in getting these shows ad-free and uh, 30 years of archives and uh, dozens of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week. Full details at PWTorch, VIPinfo.com. We'd love to have you as a member, so give us a shot here on the WrestleMania season. Um, Greg, uh, the, the, uh, Danny Bryan kind of smiling. I mean, I, I, I like, I like when I feel confident that I can look at the wrestlers and read into what they're doing. And with Daniel Bryan and with Kevin Owens, I feel that way. Like, you know, they're, they're, if they're, unless they're not in on the storyline and are lost and are just sort of sitting there being dopey and not sure how to respond. Um, and so we shouldn't read into it. But in this case, you know, it seemed like Bryan was more taking joy in Kofi's angst or or dismay than, than he was necessarily happy about Kevin Owens. But, I mean, that's going to be one of the fun things about seeing KO and Brian, you know, work work opposite of each other or together is I, I they're both really good performers. Absolutely. Um, I, I will say about Kevin Owens joining up with the Daniel Bryan stable, I, I think that would sort of be a waste of Kevin Owens. I, I think with the, the need for SmackDown to have strong single stars right now, I think he's at his best on his own. I don't think he should be playing a lackey to Daniel Bryan. I don't think that gets him anywhere. Uh, it would be definitely a major step down. Uh, and, you know, the personality that he's shown on television wouldn't seem to be a follower and also not someone who would really buy into what Daniel Bryan is selling as a character. So I don't really think it works on any of those levels. Uh, but yeah, there, there does be an undercurrent of something else going on that we're not seeing, right? With, with the uh, Vince McMahon appointing Kevin Owens to be Daniel Bryan's opponent. There does seem to be something like, uh, okay, what are we not seeing? What's the other shoe to drop here? And certainly that's, you know, that's one of the guesses that could be out there that, that Owens lays down for Bryan and is somehow aligned with Daniel Bryan in some way. Uh, that's not my preference for the direction of the storyline, but it's certainly an option that's out there. 
Yep, I I agree. Um, all right, let's go next to Ross Rubin. We talked about this in the color portion, Greg, but he wants to chime in. Uh, so I realize we're only about halfway through SmackDown, but after just watching Charlotte's promo, does the SmackDown women's title mean nothing now? With the introduction of the NXT talent clearly performing on both shows, does this seem like the early stages of the collapse of both brands into one or all three? Um, it seems like they are only promoting one women's champion right now also. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about the Charlotte promo, uh, Greg. I thought it was, it was good, but yeah, it is a little conspicuous in it's, in that Charlotte's a SmackDown wrestler and she's ignoring the SmackDown champion, which does have the effect of, of diminishing or degrading the SmackDown championship a bit. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and I think that's why they probably kept Asuka off TV is they didn't want to call attention to, hey, uh, we have a SmackDown champion on TV and Charlotte is just kind of ignoring her, you know, so maybe they thought it was best to, to not even put Asuka on TV in that situation. But yeah, Charlotte, uh, another really good promo as a heel. I mean, she just, she, and I tweeted about this during the show. She is so good as a heel promo when you watch what she did tonight and when you watch what she's done over the last few weeks. It's so hard to believe WWE has so often fought against that and positioned her as a babyface. Uh, I know they see her, or have in the past anyway, as the big star of the women's division, the, the, the women that they want to build around. And WWE, that tends to be a babyface position, uh, whether it's on the male side or on the female side. But Charlotte is so good as a heel that I, I really hope she stays as a heel for, for years before she eventually turns back babyface, because there's so much mileage they can get out of her as with this character. I like her so much more as a heel. I thought it was a, a really good, I wouldn't say great, but really good heel promo tonight. Um, I've seen her do better, but not by a lot. Yeah. So, you know, this, but this was a, a high end promo. She's such a natural heel. Uh, it just feels like she's more comfortable in that zone. It allows her to kind of be something that she's not, but in a way that I think is convincing as opposed to being less at ease being herself. And some people just need to be themselves. And I think she's someone who's better when she's doing something else, <laughs> um, and, and being someone else. And, and it do works you think it's, do you think it's an insult to call someone a natural heel? No, like people no. are, people are predisposed to not like you. Like, how does that? No, you know, I think, that, oh, I, okay. <laughs> I would, no, no, definitely not. I think you're, you're natural. I think to be a natural heel means you're, you're more convincing and compelling of, as a character when you're portraying in a situation in which you're acting, um, somebody who's, who's a villain, who, who is not, um, you know, fighting for truth, justice, and, and, uh, and honor in an honorable way. Um, I, I guess when I think of, I hear the word natural, I think of you don't have to try very hard to, to do that. It just comes well, naturally, so. True, but yeah. I mean, some people are, yeah, I mean, some people are, are, not obnoxious people, but maybe on an acting stage, they would be more natural playing an obnoxious person. You know, I mean, I, whatever. I, it's not the best example, but no, I don't, I wouldn't say if, if, if you're in the wrestling business and someone says you're a natural baby face, I don't think they mean, I think you're a really good person, um, who's a good friend and, and loyal. They just mean fans are going to like you and mm-hmm. cheer for you. And with, when you say you're a natural heel, I think this means fans are going to pay to, pay to root to see you lose, um, when you take on that persona. And I think Charles better with it. And in wrestling, that is a valuable skill. It definitely. Yes, it is. Okay, so up next, Paul L. in Ridge, New York, says, uh, Hey, Wade and Greg, I hope the fact that Kevin Owens gets inserted into the Fastlane match means Kofi gets the WrestleMania one. Also, is there a chance that WWE Creative uses Vince replacing Kofi and Becky as a storyline to get his kids full control over WWE? 
One thing that bugged me about the main event is why didn't Roman get his team DQ'd? Oh, this is about Raw. Um, when Braun attacked the legal man in the tag match, his team was DQ'd after all. Is it too much to ask for some consistency in the rules for WWE? I want to try to figure out what the rules are. I have the NFL and the ever-changing pass interference rules for that if I, if I want to. Try to figure out what the rules are week to week. Um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't get too much into Raw, but uh, Greg, do you have any thoughts uh, thoughts on that real quick? And then we can uh, go back to the uh, original point there. Not really. I mean, I, I own literally own the WWE rule book that they created a <laughs> yes. couple years ago, and that, that still hasn't helped me figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, the, the possibility we talked about earlier in the show, yeah, Vince could end up. Um, you know, this could be a storyline that leads to Hunter and Stephanie taking over on air, uh, not necessarily off air, uh, or, or both. Who knows? Okay. Uh, Jeff from Colorado. Hey, wait, it, well, if there was ever a time in recent history for the 205 live treatment, this was it. The audience should have stood up and walked out. Okay. Okay. I get it. It's pro wrestling, but give me an effing break. Sorry, rant over. Anyway, quick question. Was Kevin Owens mouthing, I'm going to pay you back to Kofi after the match as the show ended? It looked like that to me. Wade, thanks as always for the great content. To everyone listening, go VIP or stay VIP. PWTorch, VIPinfo.com. Um, thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I haven't gone back and had a chance to rewatch it, Greg. I'm not a, a trained lip reader, but based on body language, it seemed like Kevin Owens was saying to Kofi, when I win this title, you'll be the first guy to get a shot. And Kofi was still a little stunned, selling the idea that, well, why do I have to get in line for this? But okay, I mean, that's better than nothing. It seems like you were trustworthy in this match, and that was honorable, but I'm still leery. I think a lot of body language was being conveyed by in facial expressions by both guys, and that's what it came across to me as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were no overt uh, signs by Kevin Owens tonight that, that he's going heel. You know, we kind of talked about at the beginning of the show that – he played it very straight and he wasn't giving away what side of the fence he was on. You know, when he came out at the beginning, he walked right to the table, signed his name. There was not a lot of smiling and cheerleading. There was not a lot of, you know, looking around at the fans and, and frowning. It was, he, he played it straight laced so that you could not read into what he was thinking or, or anything like that. And, um, you know, we didn't hear from him. He was in the match and he was in the contract signing where he did not say anything. So I think that's good. I think it was good of WWE not to give that away in the first week and to continue to build that intrigue over time. Yep. All right. Uh, Matthew from New Orleans says, "Hey, Wade and Greg, I was listening to last. I was listening to last week. Wade, your disapproval of the way they presented the NXT call-ups and how it was handled, and specifically about how the announcers told us how we were supposed to feel instead of letting the wrestlers yeah. show us. I wonder if the opening segment on SmackDown made you cringe to hear Steph and Shane recap Kofi's career the way they had. It seems like they did that." They did it that way, despite you. Have a great show. Um, I, it didn't jump out to me as as all that similar. Um, it doesn't mean it was it was great or wasn't great. Uh, but I, I think it's different when people have a long relationship with a wrestler, and Hunter and Stephanie are simply just recapping what we've all watched together on that show or on that brand. Um, I, I, and the fans already like Kofi; they already know who he is. And this was more of just affirming the journey he's been on and what a special moment this is. So I see that as different than, hey, for 60 or 80% of you, here's some new wrestlers you've never seen. But rather than experience them, let us tell you how we expect you to feel about them verbally before you have a chance to see them talk or mm-hmm. wrestle. That's so different to me. So I thought it was kind of cool to run down Kofi's background, and, and they took the time to show those clips. It worked for me, Greg. I think the one similarity was that the copy that was read by the announcers and then by Shane and Stephanie 
tonight were a little awkward, the verbiage, which it tends to be in, in WWE for whatever reason. But yeah, I, I think it would have been better had Shane and Steph pitched to, hey, we put this video package together on Kofi's career, here it is, and just let the highlights tell the story, even if they went back to 2008 when he debuted uh, with that uh, video and, and then just kind of go from there and not have Shane and Stephanie interjected every you know, every couple moments and just did a straight video package. I think that would have been a little more effective. But, yeah, I, I can spot the differences that you're talking about in the two scenarios. They, they might even be a little self-conscious about making it seem like they throw to a video because they're minute-by-minute minute numbers show. If they're at a video too long, people start turning the yeah. channel. And Maybe. so they want the videos to now be a little more interactive, um, you know, where it, it, it comes across – as, hey, we're all watching this together and we're all commenting on it together, but don't go away. I, I don't know. Okay. It could be. Yeah. Uh, Dean from Tasmania, Australia emails. He said, I've seen a lot of hate regarding the Vince McMahon announcement of KL replacing Kofi. I, and I haven't looked, seen social media reaction to this, so I, I don't know what the thought is. I'll probably run a Twitter poll on it. It's always fun to see that. Um, but regarding Vince's announcement of KL replacing Kofi, do you think people can handle long-term storylines that have a build to them anymore? To me, the look on Kofi's face and the reaction from Kofi and Big E, to a certain extent, Xavier also, um, were good, although I thought Xavier was too cartoonish. And it goes to a bigger picture of New Day being more serious and building Kofi into a WrestleMania title match after Fastlane. This is a story, this is the chapter of a story to get us there. I love the shows. Go VIP. PW Torch, VIP Info.com. Um, uh, Greg, yeah, I, I mean, this, I, you said this earlier. I mean, should people have faith that the long-term story will pay off? No. But should you be open-minded to the possibility? Sure. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you're watching the show, you don't want to be so cynical that you think they can't do anything right or that every single storyline is, is, is going to be dropped. I mean, there are, there are characterizations of rest. I mean, Matt Hardy came back and it's like Broken Matt never happened or is just barely alluded to. Uh, last night on Raw, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns are in the same building and they don't talk about you know, what Dean did to Seth and, and the night of Roman's announcement. They're, they just, when it's convenient, drop stuff and don't talk about it. Or they'll bring it back when it's convenient, but ignore it when it seems like it's this, you know, elephant in the room that ought to be addressed. So that does happen. But this did give off the feeling of something of the beginning of a story that could be really good. And so I am absolutely open to this being good. And we have next week's show for it to play out. I think the outrage that we've seen in certain circles for Kofi being taken out of the match, uh, on one hand, that's the reaction WWE is going for here. You know, they want fans to be upset because fans care so much about Kofi and his journey and finally getting that payoff that, yes, how dare you, Vince McMahon, take Kofi Kingston out of this match and and hope that these fans tune in next week to see what the next chapter is, to see if Kofi eventually does get back in the match, whether it's a triple threat at Fastlane or... Um, does he, you know, do something at Fastlane that could earn him an opportunity to face Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania? So on one hand, I think, you know, that's the reaction WWE is going for. The danger is fans who, some of the fans with, with that reaction have seen this, have been burned by this before. You know, they've, they've gotten behind a wrestler who seemed poised to get a push in WWE and only for it to be pulled back at the last minute for reasons. And I think there are probably some people who see that same thing in this Kofi Kingston deal where, okay, they're taking him out of the fast lane main event. Um, 
and there are people who probably don't even believe that he's going to get that WrestleMania title shot, which it yeah. seems that it's it's building towards. So I think WWE has earned that that um, cynical nature that people have about WWE storytelling. It's earned because of what WWE has done before with with fan favorites. But to me, I, I'm a little more reserved here. I, I think they do get around to it at some point, even if it's a triple threat at WrestleMania, where you do, you know, Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan at Fastlane ends with something wonky, and they they do Kofi, uh, Daniel Bryan, and Kevin Owens again. Not my preferred choice of a match at WrestleMania, um, but but that's that's a possibility too. And I also want to say, I hope that that fans can see this push if Kofi does stick around in the main events as a win, even if he does not get the WWE title. Because the further into this we go, the more a sense that I get that there are people out there who will just not be satisfied if Kofi Kingston doesn't win the WWE title at some point and hold it for months and months and months. To me, Kofi getting to this position after 11 years, WWE changing their booking to put Kofi Kingston in this position in the first place is a victory. You know, I, I'm not I'm not pushing necessarily that he has to win the WWE title or this is all for naught. And I'm seeing some of that reaction on social media. And, um, you know, I, I just disagree with that line of thinking. I think Kofi getting to this position uh, is a testament to his hard work and, and WWE recognizing it, even if he doesn't win the title in this cycle through the main event scene. Yes, I, I think that's good analysis. Um I, I am a little worried that some of these fans who are outraged this week in two weeks will be chanting triple threat, triple threat, and they'll be uh, <laughs> manipulated into that like yeah. this masterfully. That was hey, that was expert work by WWE <laughs> to get people to to actually want the triple threat after they would take nothing short of Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey in a one on one match. That was <sighs> that was expert work. I just want to go up to those fans and go, you know what you're doing here. You're validating Vince McMahon taking away Becky Ronda, and that's what you wanted. Yeah. I know you did. And now you're, yeah. like, totally manipulated into, well, if I can't have two pieces of cake, don't take it all away. I'll just take a bite. Uh, but anyway. All right. There's my food analogy for the week. Let's go to uh, Zach from Jamestown, Indiana. It is not a WKPWP without a Zach. I wait. I feel like every time I email, it's been rather negative or even nitpicking the shows. I don't apologize for that. We as fans shouldn't accept low IQ, low effort writing and stories just because that's what's being given to us. Anyway, my question is regarding Becky and now Kofi. Both have the story being removed from their title matches by Vince McMahon, and I feel like the majority of people now think both will be in title matches at WrestleMania. Ignoring the oddity that Vince specifically changed both matches and the story that may f- uh, that may form out of that, do you think Vince is trying to give the fans... More matches that they want for WrestleMania because he knows the card is going to be otherwise rather weak. That's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> I'm going to give you the matches you want because the ma- the card is weak. Why not just give people what they want and consider it a strong lineup? Um, so he says, I had I just had the thought come to me after SmackDown this weekend. I thought that maybe he's trying to give the fans exactly what they want in these two instances because the fans are being so vocal and because the rest of the card just isn't going to be that strong. I'd say both men's tag title match, uh, tag divisions have been utterly destroyed. The SmackDown Women's Championship picture is bleak, to put it mildly, and the United States Championship is on our truth, who just showed back up on TV, and it's been switched three or four times since January 1st. I know we're still quite a few weeks away, but the more I think about it, I think the WrestleMania card may not be as strong as it has been in years past, because so many people have been defined down, and I wonder if that's playing a role here. Can't wait to, th- I can't wait to hear what you think. Everyone go and then stay VIP. Thank you, Zach. 
pwtorchvipinfo.com. Uh, Greg, um, I mean, he, he touches on this. The idea that Vince McMahon in December said, we're going to listen to you. And then his character turns into the guy who comes on TV and takes away what the fans want. I still am amused by that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just, um, I, I don't know if it's good television and all that that works, but do you sense this is going to be a weak WrestleMania lineup? And do you think Vince is calling some audibles in order to make sure that he doesn't have a full fledged fan rebellion on his hands? Yeah, as for the lineup, I, I just don't know. Um, you know, a month ago I thought one thing, and now after these last few weeks, you think of something completely different. Uh, and I think you talked about it earlier about how we're, I think, a little over a month away, and there's still so much that's up in the air. And and to a certain extent, that's a good thing as a fan to not know where they're headed necessarily, but you hope that they have a roadmap to get there. Uh, the interesting thing about WrestleMania now is if we get Brian versus Kofi, if we get that triple threat that the fans were chanting for at Raw Monday night, is I wonder if this is WWE trying to get the fans more invested in these matchups because they were the catalyst for it in storyline. Like, we'll get to Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan uh, because the fans demanded it after Vince took it away. You know, the fans demanded this triple threat. They demanded Becky be reinstated. So will the fans have more of a stake and more of a personal investment in these matches at WrestleMania and therefore have more of a desire to seek it out, seek out the product? So. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's kind of what WWE and Vince McMahon are trying to do here is to try to give to try to give fans the impression that they have more of a personal stake in what's going on just based on how WWE is framing these storylines. Yeah, they're they're making them very angry first by taking away what felt like a clear organic path to give the fans what they want is as a way to make them feel like they got what they want by protesting when it got taken away. So they feel more ownership in the car than they would have if they hadn't yes. taken that detour. <laughs> yeah, it's, yep. it's, I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's an interesting way to look at it and it might be Vince's mindset. All right. We'll end on this note. Jorge from Miami. He says, I thought that the women's tag team championships were going to be cross branded. Why haven't we seen the Boston Hook connection make a SmackDown appearance? As always, go VIP. Hey, they're writing this, folks. I'm just reading the emails. So pwtorchvipinfo.com. Thank you, Jorge. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's not. Going to be part of Fastlane, or if it is, it's going to be kind of rushed um, into things uh, next week. But I think if you establish new titles and you build a pay-per-view around it, an Elimination Chamber match around it, and you make a really big deal out of it, you ought to not just kind of forget about it. I mean, I think you have to ride that story for a few weeks. Um, this might have been a, a week just to have them come out and, and win a short match or at least show up and you know cut a brief promo uh, talking about how they, they look forward to taking on challenges from SmackDown. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, it, well, you know, the first feud looks like it's going to be Nia and Tamina versus uh, Bailey and Sasha, and they're Raw superstars, so you can understand why Bailey and Sasha have been spending more of their time on Raw with the women's tag titles. But yeah, I think doing even one of those selfie promos where they acknowledge the iconics, they acknowledge Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, they acknowledge the competition in the tag team division on SmackDown would be a nice move, I guess, just just to to show that, yeah, they they may be on Raw now, but they're the tag team champions and they're able to go from show to show. So even if you don't carve out a a full in ring segment with them or even a backstage segment, if you could send in a, a promo, a selfie promo or something where they at least say, you know, hey, we're dealing with Nia and Tamina on Raw, but we haven't forgot about so and so on SmackDown, that would be nice. 
Uh, yes. So I, I, I think they're with a two-hour show on SmackDown. What we're seeing is whatever is on the agenda for the next pay-per-view is what gets TV time. And if there's a shiny new toy they're trying to establish, that's one thing. I don't think Sasha and uh, um, Bailey uh, 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 fit either of those right now. So there's going to be a delay until we see them. But I mean, they're going to make room for them on WrestleMania one way or the other, and they'll end up. If it is a dual brand thing, I think they have to end up on SmackDown at some point, uh, relatively soon. So, Greg, we will uh, wrap up on that note. So thanks to our great callers, great emails, our on-site correspondent. And, uh, Greg, great having you on the show. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Wade. So just a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at the Wade Keller. You can follow our brand at PWTorch on Twitter, Facebook. Send those questions for the flagship to Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. Thanks, everybody. And as always, for VIP info, check out PWTorchVIPinfo.com. <laughs>